Hello, it's Robert Bathurst here. I was one of the first guests on My Time Capsule, and Mike has asked me to tell you that you can now listen to the podcast ad-free by subscribing to Acast Plus. Details of how to join are in the description of each episode. Mike says it's very reasonably priced. In fact, Mike says it's a bargain. And who am I to disagree? Locked here in his cellar. Anyway, for a small subscription, Acast Plus, My Time Capsule, ad-free. Free. Unlike me. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello, Merry Christmas, and welcome to My Christmas Time Capsule. I'm Mike Fenton-Stevens, and this special episode is a compilation from our 2020 Christmas episodes. Different people telling us either the thing that they love about Christmas, or the thing that they loathe about Christmas. Of course, personally, I loathe getting a Christmas cold. Still, we'll soldier on. We've got some fabulous guests coming up. In fact, we were going to include the man who invented crosswords. A fascinating bloke. His name was, um... Uh, Oh, it was P something, T something, something. Anyway, we're not having him because he was a real disappointment. I mean, he didn't get angry about anything. Not a single crossword. Yep, you might as well laugh now, they don't get any better. OK, let's kick off the festivities with the wonderful comedian Arthur Smith. Arthur Smith, how lovely of you to be on my Christmas time capsule. I'm delighted to be here. And I've got a mince pie. you got a mince pie? Yeah. Oh, brilliant. I've got a singing reindeer. Oh, well, you've trumped me there. <laughs> Just if you needed to get into the mood, or not. <laughs> <laughs> so, if you were to put something that you love about Christmas into a time capsule, what do you think it would be? Well, I would definitely put Christmas pudding. Because <laughs> I think Christmas pudding is a unique and beautiful thing that only comes once a year. And they used to take it very seriously. My grandmother used to do her Christmas pudding in August, so it would be ready for... Apparently they mature or something. Yeah. So I would say Christmas pudding is really my favourite thing. And wrapping paper, frankly, I can do with that. <laughs> But you just wrap something up and then you just take it off and throw it away. This is my dad's 
angle. He couldn't see the point. Well, I can just give it to him. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. No, it's good for the environment. If you if you banned and wrapping paper, think of all the trees that might be saved. Yeah, that does make sense. So what, you hold your presents behind your back and just reveal them? Yeah, and you could do a sort of theatrical flourish with some music even. <laughs> that would be better than wrapping. I'll just have them fall out of the chimney. Like in the old days. Yes. I mean, poor old Father Christmas. I feel sorry for him for two reasons. Yeah. One, someone tried to tell me the other day that he doesn't actually exist. Ridiculous. I mean, that must be horrible for him. People say he doesn't even exist. Yeah. And two, I mean, all that work he does, and two, he only works sort of three days a year, but bloody hell, he puts the time in then, doesn't he? <laughs> he covers some distance, doesn't he? Yeah, I know. And I mean, not everywhere's got a chimney anymore, have they? No, we had chimneys taken out last year. Really? Well, a whole chimney breast knocked out. And I felt very sorry for him. Oh, dear. So how's he getting in this year? Well, there's a key. Obviously, it hangs on a bit of string. (laughs) (laughs) Don't tell anyone this, will you? Do you know, I did actually audition once to be a Father Christmas. Was it Selfridges or something? Yeah. Years ago. But I didn't get the job. I mean, I was too skinny, I think. Well, you can pad up the rest of the thing, but your face would be too lean, wouldn't it? Yeah. So Christmas pudding, I agree. I love Christmas pudding, and I can't understand why we don't have it for the rest of the year, because they do store, don't they? Mm. I mean, I've almost certainly, if I go downstairs and look in my cupboard, there will be a Christmas pudding there. (laughs) Why do you only eat it at Christmas? I don't know. I don't know. They're all microwavable now, and it's easy. Yeah, that's true. It's not the same as it used to. I mean, genuinely, it used to be quite a palaver making a Christmas pudding. Not that I've ever made one. <laughs> have you? No. <laughs> but I have done that thing of steaming and putting it into a pressure cooker for ages. Oh, yeah. And then you and then you put a bit of brandy on it and set fire to it. I remember as a child, that was so exciting. Oh, I'm still in charge of that in my household. Yeah. The one thing that I'm allowed to do is pour the brandy, and therefore my Christmas puddings are always incredibly alcoholic. Rebecca Front. Hello, Mike. Hello. (laughs) So you're going to tell us the thing you like most about Christmas, aren't you? Um, I'm going to bring a little class to the proceedings. I knew you would. Because my um, entry into the Christmas time capsule is Benjamin Britten's A Ceremony of Carols. Mm. Um, I first came across it when I was in the school choir and we performed it. And it was incredibly difficult. It's a very ambitious thing for a, a kind of normal <laughs> secondary school choir to attempt. Yeah. But we, we gave it a good old go. And it's it's really beautiful and sort of eerily strange and mystical and, and certain parts of it in particular really capture, for me, the most beautiful spirit of winter and Christmas. Um, my favourite bit when I was singing it at school was this little babe. I won't sing it for you now. Um, <laughs> but when my kids grew up, we used to play this in the run-up to Christmas, we used to play this little babe repeatedly and um, my kids referred to it as little boys singing because mm. it's just it was a boys choir version it's probably <laughs> king's college or something um so they would always call it little boys singing but that was always my favorite bit but there are so many beautiful bits and actually as i've got older the part that i love most is a harp mm. solo uh, which is the interlude i think it's um opus 28 in the middle of it and it is just it's the most beautiful christmas card chilly frosty icy wonderful little evocation of winter and Christmas, and I love it to pieces. Hmm. Um, So there we are, uh, Benjamin Britten's A Ceremony of Carols, 
I bet you're impressed now, aren't you? <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> Andy Hamilton, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. So, we're going to put some things into a Christmas time capsule. The thing that I love about Christmas is the Muppets. Because <laughs> in this family, ever since the kids were little, but even now, at Christmas we will still put on uh, Muppet Christmas Carol and Muppet Treasure Island. <laughs> and I just think they are such perfect examples of festive family entertainment. They're the most sacred thing about Christmas for me now. With a very, very young Kevin Bishop in the... Yes, in Treasure Island. Yeah, he's very good in it as well. Mm. Very good. Yeah, it was funny because um, me and Guy Jenkin made a film with Billy Connolly and some days when we were bored on the beach, we would riff little bits of dialogue through because like, he does that bit, Jim, Jim, Jimmy, Jim, Jim. And, uh, <laughs> and he told me that he'd been doing a scene with Gonzo and Gonzo's eye had dropped out. <laughs> But the puppeteer had stayed in character, you know, and going, oh, my eye, have you seen my eye? I can't, that's my good one. And Billy said they improv this bit where they went, he's going, I'm blind, how can I see where he fucking eye is? And all this. And, uh, Brilliant. But um, they're an amazing creation. And the confidence in those movies to be comic. And, you know, actually, Michael Caine is deeply touching in um, yeah. Muppet Christmas Carol because... He approaches it with such conviction, you know, even though he's acting opposite a couple of old socks with ping pong balls for eyes, <laughs> you know. And, and also, I love the, in Christmas Carol, I love that narration device, of, which is quite inspired, of letting Gonzo be the narrator and then having that little put-upon rat as his sort of sidekick. Maybe that was Dickens' first idea. Maybe when he first went to the publishers, he said it's a story. It's told by a creature. It's it's not actually it's not a defined creature <laughs> um, and a rat. They tell the story, and it, it's weird looking back because when I started writing in 1976, a writer who's uh, called Ian Davidson, very nice man, suggested I get an agent. So I, I got Mark Berlin. I'm still with after all these years, and. Uh, the first thing Mark did was he said, oh, I've got some people from the children's TV workshop. They're Americans. They're starting a project. They want to talk to you. So I went, I remember going to this room somewhere in the, the West End and there were three Americans and I presume possibly one of them might have been Jim Henson. I wouldn't have known what Jim Henson looked mm. like then. And they, you know, they were making Sesame Street and they'd said, we've got this new thing we're thinking of doing over here. And I said, I would be interested but i didn't hear back but i always wonder if that was the muppets you know? oh wow whether you would have been a writer so, on it. yeah and jay tarsis who you've acted with many yes. times in revolting people as far as my kids were concerned when they were little jay was always my coolest friend because jay wrote for some of the muppet movies and he throws kermit out of the plane at the beginning of the great muppet caper <laughs> and for them throwing Kermit out of a plane that was the coolest possible thing but that is you know that's our substitute for what used to be Morecambe and Wise you know that's our collective fireplace program is yeah it's an important thing at Christmas isn't it yeah I think 
that gathering together to watch the thing. And with my family, it's um, it's Strictly Come Dancing Christmas edition. Right. Uh, which means that I then take the grandchildren for a walk around the streets and we judge the Christmas lights. Oh, okay. That's nice. We judge the Christmas lights in the neighbourhood. Yeah. My oldest grandson was in charge of scoring. Right. And uh, after about three doors, we came across one of the houses that was completely covered in lights. And he said, well, that's 100%. Okay. So we knocked on the door and said, Merry Christmas, you've just won the lights competition. And I gave him a bottle of champagne. All right, that's very nice. It was lovely. I think it's definitely going to become a tradition. It sounds a little bit like one of those things the police warn you about. You know, Christmas scams. <laughs> people knock on your door, you yeah. know. People you don't know knock on your door, say you've won something. On Christmas but, Day. Yeah, but it's such a, <laughs> nonetheless, yeah. <laughs> That's how they looked at me, no doubt about it. They did. <laughs> I'm sorry. Are you drunk? <laughs> I don't hold back on Christmas, Andy. No, that's good. Lovely. Well, both those movies, both those lovely Muppet movies, they are really good. They're really good scripts. Well, they were at the height when they could, they could get whoever they wanted. Yeah. Unfortunately, they didn't get you. No. <laughs> There's still time. You never know. You never know. If they called now, you know, then you'd be up for it. I am available. Yeah. <laughs> That's fantastic. Thanks, Andy. All right, mate. It's been lovely. Have a lovely Christmas. And yourself. Keep well. Merry Christmas, Mike. So, Mark Watson, uh, what is it you'd like to put into a Christmas time capsule? Uh, my brother and I used to play um, computer games at Christmas uh, on a mm. machine called a Commodore Amiga, which, you, you, I mean, only exists in museums of gaming, I should think, these days. A <laughs> 90s computer, early 90s at that. And mm. uh, obviously, we, we, were, we liked to play games all the year round, but Christmas was a particular time where you just had time to do it. And my brother and I would have these games marathons we'd get new games as well uh there was a, a bit of jeopardy to it because uh, it was the games were on discs floppy discs and they sometimes didn't work often didn't work um, <laughs> so, so there was uh and, and you know as i say i don't have a, a games machine like that anymore very few people in the world own one mm. the games themselves are just in people's attics so it represents to me a, a time that's gone I'm still very close to my brother, but because of the way computers and everything has moved on, those games, I probably won't get to do that again. So I'd put, I'd put any sort of Commodore computer game in there mm. to remind myself of my brother and that particular point in life where Christmas is a time of absolutely unlimited opportunity and you literally can have and do what you want. <laughs> Brilliant. Thanks, Mark. Hey, you're welcome. I've had some terrible Christmases. There was one year when I was living in this rubbish flat and I was meant to be getting a lift home on Christmas Eve from uh, a friend, but his car broke down and I was stuck at home alone <laughs> in this really terrible flat and the electricity ran out and I couldn't get a 50p because oh, there was nothing no. open, no shops. or And so I just sat in the dark and cold mm. for two days till the, <laughs> I could get a 50p to start the electricity going again. That was a bit rubbish. Because now there will always be a, a 24-hour shop open. Even on Christmas Day, Even yeah, on Christmas shop Day. just up from me. So, yeah, it's funny to think back in the days where there was absolutely literally no shop open or Nothing. pub or anything on Christmas Day or even Boxing Day. No. I mean, even now you can't get a train on Christmas Day no. or Boxing Day, I think. No. 
And yet, you can go and buy hundreds of things in the shops and the sales start, don't they, on Boxing Day? I'd like it genuinely to be a white Christmas. I miss snow. Mm. I don't think it's snowed in London for about five years or something. But, but London snow is not as good as country snow. No, I agree, obviously. You've got your top quality snow the further north you go. There was one about six or seven years ago when it was really a proper big snow. Yeah. Because I remember I had to get, I was going, getting a train to go and see my mother. Mm. And I just got the train. And then I discovered the train after me got stuck for 17 hours or something. <laughs> and they were all, people just stuck on the train for 17 hours. You were the last one to get through. Yeah. That happened to me once from Crew Station. I got on a train at Crew Station. I, I was going home to see my wife and baby around Christmas, my newborn yeah. baby. And I got as far as Crew Station, and it was terrible snow. And they said, sorry, no train's leaving, you can't. You spent Christmas on Crew Station. I could have done. <laughs> and then, in fact, this fella said to me, where are you going, son? That was my attempt at doing a sort of a Oswestrian accent. Fair enough. Not good. But I said to him, I'm going to um, Oswestry, Gaboan Station near Oswestry. And he said, oh, that's where I live. Come on. Ah. And we just got into a, uh, the front part of the train, the engine, yeah. and it had a snowplough on it, and we snowploughed our way into Gaboan Station and stopped. Uh, Hang on, he was the driver of the train, you mean? Yeah. Oh, I see. I thought it was just some arm. Blimey. What a lovely man. Yeah. So I did get home for Christmas. Oh, that's a beautiful story, Mike. Thank you. I think it could be a film, couldn't it? Unlike mine, where I didn't get home and just had to sit in the cold and dark for two days. <laughs> <laughs> Arthur, it's been absolutely lovely, and uh, I hope you have a really lovely Christmas. I'm going to put a great big Christmas pudding into your time capsule. Oh, yes, please. But I'm not going to wrap it in wrapping paper. Excellent. And you're going to pour brandy all over An enormous it. bottle. <laughs> you can hear it glugging in the distance. Oh, lovely. I can't <laughs> wait, Mike. Thank you. Just keep flames away from it. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> right, well, I hope you're all enjoying yourselves. Are you? Oh, you are. Good. Why, what have you been doing? Actually, probably best not to say. Now, I will be sprinkling these little gaps between our guests with the odd joke. Well, most of them are pretty odd. In fact, most of them are quite old, as is my joke book. For example, this cracker from 2001. Did you know that all male tennis players are witches? Yeah, Goran, even he's a witch. Yeah, I think we'd better join somebody who really does know his comedy. So here's the writer of such shows as The Vicar of Dibley and Mrs Brown's Boys, the wonderful Paul Mayhew Archer. One tip I have for people, if you want to brighten up your Christmas, just choose six people at random, just out of a telephone book or anywhere you like. Just write, love, Paul and Julie, uh, <laughs> looking forward to seeing you on the 29th, and just post the letters off. And just imagine the... Because we always get those cards from people saying something like that, and we have no idea who they are. <laughs> people all over the country are going to receive those letters. Say, I just love the idea of saying, looking forward to seeing you on the 29th. <laughs> <laughs> And them having no idea where or who. Are we going to them? Are they coming to us? <laughs> this is your fault. We better tidy the house. Yes. <laughs> That's a very funny idea. Now, the closest I ever came to that was in Pantomime in Cambridge, and you'll know this joke, and I was always amazed yeah. that it got a laugh. I was amazed that people in Cambridge had not heard the story, which was basically to ring up Jesus College and say, hello, is that Jesus? 
on Christmas Day, and they'd say yes, and you'd say, happy birthday to you. <laughs> I'd always got a laugh, but I used to be amazed that people didn't know that trick. My favourite panto story is when I was I was brought up in Bexhill. I lived in Bexhill-on-Sea, and it was the Penguin Players, and they used to do a Christmas panto. And um, Widow Twanky came to the front of the stage and said, hello, boys and girls. I'm sorry I'm a little bit late, but I've just been down to the bottom of the garden um, and someone shouted out from the audience for a shit. Elderly bloke playing Widow Twanky. He was probably thinking, this is Bex, let's see what has happened to the world. <laughs> oh, my word. That is brilliant. <laughs> oh, right, OK, well, I'm going to put those things into your Christmas time capsule, Paul. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you too and all your family. Thank you. Jan Ravens. Welcome to my Christmas time capsule. Festive greetings, one and all. Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> deck the halls. Yeah, Anton, deck the halls. <laughs> <laughs> Have small light entertainment personalities all over your hall. <laughs> Lovely. Yeah. Well, that's what we're going to do. We're going to deck a time capsule. Cool. Well, uh, the thing that I would love to preserve about Christmas is the Christmas carols. Oh. I love Christmas carols. I mean, I find them incredibly emotional. You know, whenever I sing Christmas carols, I find it quite difficult to sing them because I kind of, you know, I kind of well up. It's like when you're at a funeral, you know, and you start to sing, you know, Abide With Me and you can't quite get through it. But, you know, if it's <laughs> particularly those kind of rather anthemic Christmas I prefer the anthemic ones mm-hmm. or the slightly sort of Celtic folk song ones. I mean, my, my favourite one is yeah. um, It came upon a midnight clear That glorious song of old From angels bending near the earth To touch the... I could go through the whole carol. You know all the words all as well. verses and everything. I could. It all just comes back to me. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I love It Came Upon a Midnight Clear. And I, and I love those sort of rather mournful ones like... Um, in the bleak midwinter. Mm. In the bleak midwinter. And they often have a choir singing that one. Lovely little mm. boys in their surplices and everything. And it's just so sweet. I do really, really love Christmas carols. And now the only sort of um, time I get to sing them now is, you know, I get sometimes asked to go and do readings at charity Christmas concerts, you know. Oh, lovely. And so I get to go and do a Bible reading or sometimes, you know, the the bit about um, Adrian Mole and Pandora doing the nativity play, you know, you, sometimes mm. they like you to do a funny one. So I get to sing some Christmas carols at those and they sometimes have Lulu singing, you know, singing one <laughs> or something, you know, which is always rather <laughs> brilliant. But uh, I did this one... Um, a carol concert. I think it was for Maggie's cancer caring centres. And um, it was at the Royal Hospital in Chelsea. It was quite grand. And one of the readers was Joan Collins, or Dame Joan (laughs) Collins, as I think we have to call her now. And uh, we all went to do a sound check, apart from Dame Joan. Joan (laughs) didn't deign to appear for the sound check, but just as the service is about to sort of 
begin about 10 minutes before Joan arrives and she's you know she's in obviously in full makeup but with one of those big black furry hats that sort of you know Dr Shivago. yes a Dr Shivago <laughs> hat very very much so yes she insisted to the guy that was organizing it that she went on first because she had to get off and do something more important so everybody was sort of swapped around and Cressida Bonas went down the running order and da, da, da. and um I said to the guy that was running it, so what's, um, what's Joan going to read? And he said, I don't know, she hasn't, she hasn't told me yet, but, you know, she's Joan Collins. So anyway, so she sits down in the pew with Percy so she can sort of make a, a quick getaway after she's done her bit. She puts all these <laughs> Tiffany, uh, Louis Vuitton um, shopping bags and she stomps up the uh, steps to the pulpit in her stilettos and she starts, she starts reading. Imagine no possessions. I wonder if you can. <laughs> No need for greed or hunger. And I said, sort of are you bloody kidding me, mate? Uh, <laughs> brilliant. It's so funny. Oh, anyway. I'd like to have seen that. Yeah, we did sing some nice carols. Yes, and I have sung with Joan Collins. Have you? I'm, yes, we did karaoke together in Benidorm. Did you really? <laughs> yes. In Benidorm, the TV show. Yes, she plays the owner of the hotel. Oh, uh, does she? We all went out for a lovely meal which Joan paid for, bless her. And then afterwards, somebody said, karaoke, Joan? And she went, oh, why not? <laughs> and off we went. Yeah, I think she likes a party, actually. Diamonds are a girl's best friend. <laughs> of course. <laughs> of course. <laughs> <laughs> OK, it's time for a small ad break now to help us pay the bill for the My Time Capsule Christmas party, which obviously you're all invited to. <laughs> Didn't get the invite? Oh, no. Bloody Christmas post. Unbelievable. Anyway, we'll be back in a minute. And that's our minute, not the post office's minute, which is about three weeks. See ya. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you Everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. 
J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Welcome back. Uh, look, I'm sorry if my voice is a bit rough at the moment, but I've just been to the pub and the barman gave me a pint of gravel. Yeah, he said it was one for the road. Anyway, let's rejoin the festivities with the QI Elf and host of the podcast, No Such Thing as a Fish, which, of course, is one of the biggest podcasts in the world. Yeah, if you look at the charts, they're just above us. <clears throat> anyway, here's Anna Tuzinski. Anna Tuzinski, welcome to my Christmas time capsule. Hooray, Happy New Year and a Merry Christmas to you. A Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. You said those backwards then. Interesting. <laughs> I know. It's weird, isn't it, when you get yeah. them in the wrong order? <laughs> it is. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, my name is Fenton Stevens, Mike, and uh, <laughs> you're going to tell us about things that you love or, in fact, loathe about Christmas. I am, yes. I'm going to tell you about something I don't think many people will agree with me on, but mm. I've decided my favourite thing about Christmas is mulled wine. Um, <laughs> there, are, there are a few reasons for this. I know it's a bit of a weird one. First of all, I kind of think that the two things that get me through the rest of the year, um, which makes me sound like a tragic human, but are tea and wine. Mm. And mulled wine is like the the beautiful offspring of those two things to me. <laughs> and I love it. And I know everyone thinks it's disgusting and overly sweet, and it's a way of absolutely ruining wine. But to be quite honest, all of the wine I get is kind of revolting anyway. So the more spices and herbs you add to it, the better. And I just love it. I don't know why it's only three months of the year or two months of the year we're allowed to drink it. I would genuinely drink it all year round. If I was allowed to bring mulled wine to a sort of midsummer picnic without people thinking I was insane, I would. I love it. <laughs> But you sort of could do. I don't see why anybody would object to that, apart from the, the sort of the waste of the wine. Oh, what, you mean the, the sort of boiling off of the wine or just ruining yeah. wine by... Yeah, yes. you know, some people, when they make mulled wine, it loses all its, um, well, all its alcohol. It does. Well, the crucial thing that you have to do with mulled wine in order for it to work at all is you have to make it and then you tip about half a bottle of vodka into it. I learned this because my, <laughs> my mother always used to make it for a fate or something when we were kids and she'd make a huge vat for everyone who came to the fate and then she'd have about 12 bottles of vodka or something that she'd just pour in one after the other and that's how you compensate for, of course, the alcohol that's boiled off in the cooking process. Right. And Did your mother tell you this? Yeah, this is, yeah, this is a, mother, a good housewife's trick, isn't it? Okay, have you ever looked this up in a book? Because I think it may be your mother is the only person I know puts vodka into mulled wine. <laughs> Do you think she is? I always assumed that was the standard. <laughs> I don't know. We'll get letters. Well, uh, try it out. And next time you go to a Christmas market, bring a small hip flask of vodka to spice it up a little bit. Okay, now I can understand why you like mulled wine. Because basically it's an incredibly alcoholic vodka-based drink, as far as you're concerned. Exactly. It's warm and sweet. And it's actually how wine used to be, because wine tended to always be of the low quality of the wine that I always drink. So it's always been spiced in history. I think the earliest reference I found to mulled wine was in 1596, mm -hmm. and that is white. And that's something I'd like to introduce, because I tend to drink white wine. 
And you don't get a lot of white mulled wine, do you? No, you don't. In the Christmas market, whereas this is white mulled wine. And the recipe, which is probably worth trying out, is so it says take a gallon of white wine. And so I guess you, 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 <laughs> you've said enough. <laughs> take a gallon of white wine. Double that if you've got a friend coming, obviously. Um, sugar, sugar, cinnamon, ginger, long pepper, whatever that was, mm-hmm. mace, uh, and some cloves which essentially sounds like mulled wine recipe to me, and yeah. then he brews it and heat it up. Do you know the difference between mulled wine and in German markets, those Christmas markets, they always sell Glühwein. Glühwein. Is that basically mulled wine? It's the same, isn't it? Is yeah, it I think be. so. Yeah. In fact, I remember going to Vienna, I think it was last year I was in Vienna, and you go to all those markets, which people do rave about, the European Christmas markets, and they are all the same everywhere you go Mm -hmm. and it is the same mulled wine just as it's the same cheap tat in every single stool as you'll get on the south bank here yes so i'd save yourself a trip (laughs) very good apart from of course being able to go out to dinner in copenhagen or something like that you know that's worth it oh yeah obviously that's Mm -hmm. that is a bonus yeah that is a bonus (laughs) i'm actually the only person who buys you know in tesco when it comes to christmas i think they should sell it all year round but they have pre-made mulled wine on on the bottom shelf underneath the really bad wine, yeah. you get the pre-made stuff. And I'm the only person I know who actually buys that and then makes it and then sort of makes people drink it when they're asking, do you have any actual wine, though? <laughs> uh, yeah, and I've noticed that in my Tesco's. I think it's got a big sign saying, Anna only. Exactly, yeah, yeah. They, uh, I have to show my ID at <laughs> checkout, specifically my ID. Lovely, OK. Well, we will definitely put mulled wine into your time capsule. I don't know if we'll all be having it. Oh, that's all the more for me. That's really ideal. Okay, perfect. It's a dream. Do you want to know what I don't want to take? Mold wine. <laughs> mold wine? What's wrong with mold wine? Oh, what alcohol? I just can't see the point. <laughs> I mean, either have a nice cup of tea or have a nice cold gin and tonic or a glass of nice white wine. But hot wine? <laughs> oh, no. I think, this, I think it's all... All sorts of wrong, I think. Hot alcohol. <laughs> I don't hold with it at all. But anyway. Has somebody left this bottle on the radiator? What's going on? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's just sort of, and it's, you know, it stinks out that, you know, you go into one of those parties and you're like, whoa, you know, that sort of hot. Got some mulled wine. Oh, really? I mean, just the very words, it does make you think gone off, doesn't it? Yeah, mulled. It sort of, yeah, it's, it sounds like sort of sullied. Doesn't it? It's like, you know, <laughs> spoilt. <laughs> yes. Well, that's exactly Fucked what it up is. With. Yeah. Just, yeah. I mean, I, I'm not very good with red wine anyway. It's a bit heavy going, I find. But yeah, hot red wine yeah. with bloody spices in it. Because I love all those spices. I love cloves and, you know, cinnamon and nutmeg and all those things. But put them in a bun. (laughs) Put them in a bun. And don't be heating up the wine and throwing them all in there. Absolute waste of everything, in my view. You're so right. You're so right. (laughs) (laughs) And on that, I'll have a lovely cold gin and tonic. Yes, absolutely. Num num. Kevin McNally, how marvellous to have you on my Christmas time capsule. Michael Fenton Stevens, a great joy to be here. <laughs> well, Merry Christmas, dear sir. Well, a bit early, but yes, a Merry Christmas to you. <laughs> <laughs> it does seem strange, doesn't it? Yeah, it really does. You should have warned me, I'd have put my Bermuda shorts on. Well, no, I like you with nothing on like that. 
<laughs> so you're going to put some things into a Christmas time capsule. Yes. Well, just one or, or you know. Well, uh, just a bit of a meander through. I mean, the short <laughs> one would be the things that I like about Christmas. The long one would be the things that I don't like about Christmas. <laughs> I mean, number one would be uh, I was went out for a walk uh, on the 2nd of November and saw a fully loaded Christmas tree in someone's front window. And had it not been for the fact that it was the window of a retirement home, a brick would definitely have gone <laughs> through it. Um, so I can't stand that. Um, obviously, it was much more fun when the kids were little because it was for them. Mm. But even in a funny way, the only sort of thing I ever liked about Christmas was that in a hectic year of work, and perhaps one was working in the theatre, there was a nice quiet day when you could eat and the pubs weren't open, so you couldn't <laughs> go out for a drink. But that now is like every other day of the year. <laughs> so all of its individuality has been robbed as far as I'm concerned. But I've always hated Christmas Eve with people buying rubbish in, in garages because they've <laughs> forgotten to get their girlfriend a present. Yep. So, you know, the, it just the whole commerciality of it is terrible. And for me, the days when it was fun when I was a child and when I had children are, are long gone. It's a shame, isn't it? Yes. Because there's also something about the singularity. I grew up in a very Irish working class Catholic family. And I remember, you know, we didn't have a lot, you know, and we certainly weren't overfed, but on Christmas Day... <laughs> <laughs> I'll never forget my dad. And he used to regularly say this about six o'clock in the evening when the, the turkey and stuffing sandwiches had come out. He'd go, <laughs> oh, bloody hell, I'm sick eating. And you think, well, well, why? <laughs> That's a great phrase. Yeah, I'm sick eating. Why, I mean, why are we doing it? Why are we sitting yeah, yeah. here just stuffing our faces? You know, and perhaps Uncle Fred getting a little bit you know, droopy in the corner, you know, with <laughs> all the brown ale that he'd drunk. I mean... <laughs> it's horrible. It's just horrible. I can't bear I, If I take back anything good I want to put in the capsule about Christmas, I, I want to just leave a, a sort of a foul, grumpy stench of my view of the uh, of the holiday period. I mean, also, what is Christmas? I mean, there are Christian people who see it as a celebration of the birth of Christ, but largely it's a pagan celebration and certainly what we have now is a Victorian invention. And uh, it's interesting where the Christians hooked all their stories on pre-existing <laughs> national holidays. So I don't know. I think people celebrate in a different way, and I don't mind that. But it having become, you know, an important commercial boost at the end of the year for the economy just seems a particularly sort of flaccid yeah. and pathetic way to celebrate something that's supposed to be profound. For a lot of actors, though, Christmas is a busy time. It's an acting time. Is it, is it usually busy for you, or you, do you find it gets quiet? Um, it gets quiet for me in terms of... Um, the fact that you don't do as much theatre as you used to, which is a sad thing from my point of view, because you are a great stage actor, I think. Well, that's very kind of you. Thank you very much. No, not at all. Well, So I would suggest that the role that would be really great for you to play would be Scrooge. <laughs> <laughs> what a wonderful takeaway from this. So let's let's put my only positive thing in the time capsule as being the role of Scrooge in A Christmas Carol. <laughs> yes, that you're finally almost there. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I've been practising for it for years. <laughs> I know. Well, maybe we could do what they used to do in the RSC and alternate Scrooge and Tiny Tim between us. Um, oh, bless you, yes. 
Or perhaps Bob Cratchit would be a better. I think uh, maybe uh, Marley. That's a nice easy. Part. Oh, there you go. Just that's a good double, isn't it? Scrooge and Marley. Yeah. Yeah. Get this out to producers before you even put it on the um, <laughs> put it on the air. I have to go now. I have phone calls to make. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Kevin, fantastic! Thank you so much for telling us your Christmas time capsule items. No, my pleasure. Merry Christmas. Thank you. Merry Christmas to you and everybody else. Okay, I hope this is making you all feel lovely and Christmassy. It's certainly working for me. I feel up for a panto. <laughs> Cinderella's my favourite. Although, actually, she's a terrible footballer. Well, she's got a pumpkin as a coach. Moving right along now, it's time for another couple of hosts of No Such Thing as a Fish. First up, it's the wonderful Dan Schreiber, and he's followed by the MASH Report star, Andrew Hunter-Murray. So a Christmas time capsule, Dan, what would you like to put into that? I would like to put into this capsule all of the questionable Christmas albums that have been released over the years. <laughs> the ones the ones that when you when CD shops were really more of a thing, you walked in and you saw them sitting in the front, you went, really? That's an interesting career decision. Mm-hmm. I think they're wonderful. I love that so many people have released them. And I've put together a little collection that I want to go into the capsule. Oh, great. So first one that I want to go in is the Christmas album that was released by William Shatner (laughs) of Star Trek, uh, titled Shatner Claws. (laughs) And that was released a few years back. And it's him just basically speaking over all the the classics, the Christmas classics. We've all Uh, suffered from Shatner Claws. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Particularly around Christmas with overindulgence. Exactly. Uh, so that has to definitely go in. Yes. Uh, it will be joined with another album, which is very beautiful, called Christmas in the Stars, Star Wars Christmas album. <laughs> and this was an album that was made by Anthony Daniels, who was C-3PO from Star Wars, mm. where he basically just put together original songs that were Star Wars themed and there was a bit of a little story that ran behind it as well where there were droids in a robot factory or droid factory making toys all year round for an S clause and (laughs) it had songs like what can you get a Wookiee for Christmas when he already owns a comb (laughs) and it was him as C-3PO sort of narrating this whole Christmas album but it's notable for one particular reason this album while it was being made The co-producer of the album was at the recording studio at the time, and he needed someone to do a vocal for the song, but they didn't really have anyone around, and I'm not sure if they had the budget. And so he went out and grabbed his little nephew, I think it was, who was sweeping in the corridors, mopping up at the time Mm -hmm. in the corridors, doing janitorial work, brought him in, got him to sing some tunes on it, and they put it out on the album. And that kid, that little nephew, was John Bon Jovi. No! And it was his... First ever recording that got released <laughs> is part of this insane Star Wars album. That's extraordinary. Yeah, I love the prehistory of a lot of these big names and the little gigs that they had to do along the way. Uh, but that's like Goodwill Hunting, isn't it? Like, you know, he's just mopping in the corridors and suddenly yeah, it turns out to his be life changed. Musical genius. Yes. <laughs> he kept saying, Are we finished yet? They said, No, 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 we're halfway there. Oh, <laughs> living on a prayer. <laughs> Do you think he just had a notebook the whole time? Just writing it down. This is good. Yeah. This will work. (laughs) I did Doctors with Anthony Daniels. Did you? Yes. And in fact, all the way through filming, I kept thinking, I know this bloke from somewhere. Where have I worked with him before? (laughs) I recognise him. And I said to him, "Um, have we worked before? And it shows I'm not a Star Wars fan. 
that he went, well, um, I'm not sure, Michael. Perhaps we have. You might recognise my voice. And I said, oh, my God. Yes, I do. Yes. <laughs> wow. That's so good. He had no problem just busting into the Star Wars thing. No, That's no. what I love about them. I yeah. love how they grip it and it, it takes over the rest of their life. So anyway, back to these uh, questionable Christmas albums yes, please, that we've got to get yes. in the time capsule. I would also like to include in there, you know, the Macarena. Mm-hmm. There was the Christmas release, which was called Macarena Christmas, which is just the Macarena, but they suddenly dub over just classic Christmas tunes as they're singing it. And the version that I found lasts 17 minutes long. So that's got to go in. Oh, that's fantastic. You always need a good dance at a Christmas party. I would like to include as well the Heavy Metal Christmas album and the sequel to it, A Heavy Metal Christmas 2, Mm. T-O-O, released in 2013, (laughs) by the actor Christopher Lee. (gasps) Chris Lee, of course, is the actor who played Sauron in Lord of the Rings. Great actor. Christopher Lee had a career as a heavy metal musician and singer. No. Yes, and he released his final metal album when he was 91 years old. Good God. Yeah. (laughs) If you go to his Wikipedia page, there's a discography which has, like, EPs and Christmas albums, of which he's got two, and and sort of random ones, and then Charlemagne, The Omens of Death, which is a full-bodied album. And I, I was listening to it just before talking to you. It's actually genuinely quite good. He's got a cool voice. Why did Michael Jackson choose Vincent Price, then? Exactly. And Christopher Lee would have been excellent. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, they keep coming. They come thick and fast, these questionable Christmas albums, and I, I want to preserve them for your yeah, capsule. Yeah, it's a big Christmas capsule. It's a great thing to put in there. I've got a Christmas single. I released a Christmas single for Spitting Image. Santa Claus is on the dole. Really? So you had a number one with Spitting Image, didn't you? I did, but this was the one that didn't go anywhere near number one. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) Wrong bit of the year to try and compete. Yeah, well, we thought the right bit of the year, you know, but it was a pile of Shatner claws, I'll tell you that much. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Dan. Merry Christmas, everybody. The item is an advent calendar which has been eaten up to the 10th of December, but it's only the 7th of December today. (laughs) Yep. We all know those. Yeah. So this is because I think this is the item which first taught to me the meaning of sin, because I have a very vivid memory of being quite a young child, I don't know, seven years old, and uh, sitting on the stairs in our house sneakily eating a few days in advance of the advent calendar, and I knew it was wrong. I had a very clear knowledge that this was verboten, and I still did it. The rules have been laid out for you quite clearly. Very clearly. Yeah. No one can say that advent calendars are in some way cryptic (laughs) in uh, the advice they're giving you. (laughs) They're not difficult to follow, are they? No. You see the numbers, one at a time, one a day. Yeah. That's it. And the last one happens on Christmas Day. So you were willing to give up the large chocolate at the end, the Christmas Day chocolate. I don't know if I got all the way through it. Was it taken away from you? No, I I don't think it was, actually. I think I just sort of closed the doors up again and and then put it back wherever it was meant to be. So I think I probably, even then, I was a coward. I didn't dare go the whole hog and have the whole thing. But I think it did teach me my extremely powerful sense of delayed gratification because (laughs) for the next few days, obviously, didn't get a chocolate. So 
you know, these days, if I if I had an advent calendar, I'd probably leave the whole thing until the twenty fourth, and then <laughs> start. I, I love an anticipated pleasure uh, much more than I love a pleasure I'm having now. So, yeah. yes, very good. Oh, thanks, Andy. The wonderful stars of No Such Thing as a Fish, which, of course, is a ridiculous idea. We know there are fish. I mean, actually, I went fishing the other day. I tried to buy a net. I said to the bloke, can I have a net, please? He said, what size? I said, well, any size. Just can you hurry up? I've got to catch a bus. He said, we haven't got one that big. You're doing quite well to put up with these. OK, let's get back to comedy. Up now is the star of Stathlet's Flats, the other one, and inside number nine, the brilliant actress Ellie White. I was going to talk about sort of weird Christmas traditions because we had a few in my family. I have like a massive family. My mum has eight siblings and every other year we used to all get together. So there'd be about 50 people in my grandma's house and everyone would be like in tents in the garden or sleeping on sofas and on the floor. And it was like there were strange things. Like, it wasn't all fun and games. Like, as children, we were sometimes not given Christmas lunch until about eight hours after the adults, you know, stuff like that. (laughs) But but I do remember it being very, very fun, especially as a child. And the funniest thing about it was that every year, my granddad, well, we knew it was my granddad, but we suspended our disbelief. Mm -hmm. Someone would be like, Father Christmas is here. This is about sort of 8 p.m. on Christmas Day, and all the adults were like... Hammered. <laughs> and they were like, Father Christmas is here, and you all have to go into the other room. And they'd lock us in the other room. All the children would get locked in, in this tiny little room. <laughs> and my granddad would like appear, and the lights were turned off. And my grand, this would happen every year. <laughs> and my granddad would start knocking on the windows and start like smashing the windows with a stick. And like his face would suddenly appear at the window. And it was so scary. (laughs) Like it was Halloween or something, but it was Christmas day. And we'd all be screaming and terrified. And then the door would fly open and he'd appear in the sort of light in this awful Father Christmas habit that was like rags. (laughs) Honestly, it was like rags, hammered. Mm. And start giving us each a sort of box of matches. Like that was the kind of (laughs) present that we got. Because there was about 40 children in there. And I just remember it it happened like every other year. And then after he died, it was like one of my uncles who did it. But it was a very strange tradition Mm. and really scary, but really fun and thrilling. And um, that would be my favourite Christmas memory, I think. It's a good one. (laughs) My dad always dressed up as Father Christmas. Was his outfit good? I just remember my granddad's was terrible. Like, I don't think he even had a beard. Like, it was this, like, (laughs) ragged, moth-eaten hat and, like, a red pair of trousers and just, like, a (laughs) (laughs) T-shirt. No beard? No. Or if it was, it was like a piece of cotton wool, like, sellotape to his chin. Yes. Like, just terrible, terrible costume that had been in the attic, you know, getting completely stripped apart by moths. Those sorts of things are very fun. I don't, I'd never underestimate them. I think even when I got older and they were still doing it for the younger cousins, I still found it really fun. Seeing the kids being sort of whipped up into a fear frenzy (laughs) by like a strange red man at the window. Brilliant. Well, that's in the time capsule. That's fantastic. I'd like to experience that. Yeah, I think so. That's what it's all about, I think. Extreme fear on Christmas Day. (laughs) And a box of matches. Yeah. Oh, wonderful. 
Well, we've come to the last extract in part one of our Christmas time capsule. I hope you all have a lovely Christmas. My wife will have a fabulous one. I bought her an incredible present. And part one comes with a free binder. Right, we've left the best till last. To finish off, we have the star of Buffy the Vampire Slayer and, of course, so much more. But to me, he will always be known as Giles. Actually, he'll always be known as Anthony Head. Merry Christmas. The thing that um, I hate most about Christmas yeah. is when it's not Christmas. <laughs> it, it goes in a flash. I mean, literally, we wake up on Christmas morning and we always have vegetarian Christmas uh, sausage rolls. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we come down and we all open our stockings and uh, that's absolutely gorgeous. And then we go off and all make lunch together. And then after lunch in the afternoon, we open our presents to each other. Mm. Uh, and it's just, it, a Christmas day is just absolutely wonderful. And then it's like gone in an instant. It's yeah. like someone just said, here's a magical spell. And now it's gone. It's bizarre how fast it dissolves. And then as you trundle into January, mm. I mean, uh, oof. Do you um, think that's why people spread it out so much now? What, you mean up, leading up to it? Yeah, to have weeks and weeks beforehand, where is that? But then that that just feels like people overworking it. Mm -hmm. And yes, it's in the air, but it's kind of, I mean, I have to say, um, can can you see those little shishy sparkly lights? Yes. They're all year round. We we, we didn't want to take them down. One Christmas. So you've got Christmas lights up that you've left them all year. Yeah. Yeah. but it just feels like when, when people are sort of pushing it. But nonetheless, whatever, the actual day is is it. It's, you know, Christmas Eve is kind of special. It's got its own vibe to it. I have to say, I was one of those people who used to go out the last minute and go to shop here and go shop. You know, I don't do that. You know, I've learned. I've yes. learned. <laughs> what Sarah's taught me, because basically that's not good for anybody. Mm. Um, but uh, I always loved the idea of that sense in sort of a Christmas carol, the idea of there it is, it's Christmas Eve, you come to the end of work on Christmas Eve, and then it's Christmas. And actually, because I tend to do theatre at Christmas. You do? I do. I do pantomime. It's hard work. And the fact is that you do exactly that. You finish a show at five o'clock on Christmas Eve, Mm. And there's Christmas ahead of you, but it's an evening and a day. So, you know, I mean, I really like that sense of... I remember when I was a young man, I worked as a solicitor's clerk in the Middle Temple, and you would come out of work, and they had... They still have gas lighting in the temple. Wow! Yeah, so you would come out into the street, and there would be a man going along lighting the lamps. Oh, my God! Yeah. And I, that's, the, to me, is I'm going home for Christmas, and it was very exciting. Yeah, so I love that sense of Christmas being held back. I like, as you say, it's in the air, but I don't like to actually do it until here it is. I did one show over Christmas, and it just felt wrong. Even though, as you said, as, you know, it is exactly what I'm talking about, Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, and mm-hmm. that's it. But nonetheless, I just like being around the family. You know, I've always liked loved giving presents and i love i don't just like buying something it's got to be apt and not necessarily something that somebody's asked me for no 
I like that thing of of coming up with something that somebody goes, "Oh, bloody hell! I, wow!" Yeah, yeah. I love that. You know, that's the best thing if somebody says, "I love that." Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I do remember one of the more impressive presents um, that I've ever been responsible for was um, when I was doing Buffy in LA and I was headed back for Christmas and under each arm was a life-size Barbie (laughs) which got quite a smile from the customs (laughs) (laughs) Christmas on your own this year Oh, I could imagine. God, the exam- and they would have been exactly the right age, wouldn't they? Oh, yeah, they they, uh, they loved them. How it's lovely. Cool. And uh, you, you've made me feel all Christmassy, Tony. Oh, good. Probably because I'm surrounded by sparkly lights. But, you know. <laughs> In my mind, you're always surrounded by sparkly lights. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, well, have a fantastic Christmas. With and you, man. Have a lovely one. Here's to your podcast. It is a very special thing. Oh, bless you. Bless you. Merry Christmas. You have been listening to My Christmas Time Capsule with me, Mike Fenton-Stevens, and various guests. Of course, all of our guests have their own full-length version available for you to listen to. So just have a look back through the list and you can listen to them and lots more. We've also got part two of our Christmas time capsule to listen to. So let the festivities continue. Sleigh bells ring. Are you listening? In the lane, snow is glistening. But there's a warm front coming from the south, so the weather should improve. Happy Christmas! Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. The secret to summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number one best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil, clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Its signature scent of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at OseaMalibu.com.